Something I've struggled with quite a bit in my life lately has been contentment. And I have seen how there is a very strong link between contentment and thanksgiving. And just being generally thankful, joyful, at peace with different things in my life, I've really had to work at it. And it's been, it's been difficult. And so as I've been scratching my head to try to figure out how to, how to fix this in my life, I did what most people do. Uh, where do you go to find answers? Google, right? And so I got on Google and looked around at how can you be more content? And the general consensus I got was I just need to change my circumstances. And so I forgot to tell my wife about this, but I put a down payment down on a red convertible sports car. And I know that as soon as I get that thing, I am going to be content. Life will be better for me if I can just get this sports car change something about my life, my circumstances, a nice possession, something like that. Surely that's going to that's gonna make me content, right? That's going to do the trick. You're like, no. It's goofy to think that, right? It, contentment has really nothing to do with our circumstances. It has nothing to do with possessions. It has nothing to do with money, status, fame, anything like that. Contentment is an internal thing that God can provide. But how much of a struggle is it for you and I to keep that perspective? I know it's a struggle for me, but it's so important because if somebody is a content person, they're a thankful person. If somebody is a content person, they are a joyful person. If somebody is a content person, they are a person of peace. And when you think about a person like that, who does God want walking around on this earth to bring him glory and to point people to the gospel? That kind of person, right? Somebody that is thankful, somebody that is filled with joy, somebody that is filled with peace. Because the world looks at somebody like that and they say, something's different about you because everybody else is just trying to change their circumstances, chasing after this or that to find that peace and that joy and that contentment out here. But God can provide that in here. And when he does, man, it brings him glory to see someone like that. And it makes the gospel and it makes our God so much more attractive to the world. So being content is very important. And when I think about contentment, the main passage that comes to my mind is Philippians chapter 4. And we didn't plan this out, but, but Larry kind of got into that a little bit this morning. But we're going to be looking at Philippians 4, 10 through 13, if you want to turn there. And we'll really be jumping around at some different spots in the book of Philippians. But we'll start out here in chapter 4. And what we're going to see here is, if you're like me and contentment is a struggle for you at times, Paul is going to tell us that contentment, not only does it have nothing to do with our life circumstances, but the great thing is it's possible. It is possible to be content, and he's going to give us, he's going to give us some information on how to do that. So Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13, it says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So no matter what Paul faced, he was content. And when he had a lot, as he says here, he was content. What about when he had nothing? Still content. His contentment didn't have anything to do with his circumstances. Now when I think about me and maybe some of you, it's, 
It's not typically that way. You know, when the, when the fridge is stocked, you know, we just went to Aldi's, fridge is stocked, things are good, man, I'm content. When, when work seems productive and purposeful and not too much, I'm, I'm content. Getting time at home with my family and I'm content. But when I'm not and uh, we're down to the saltine crackers in the pantry and that's all we've got, we need to make an Aldi's run. I'm grumbling, I'm complaining, I'm not very content. When work seems chaotic and I don't know if I'm really accomplishing anything, it's, I'm kind of discontent. When I'm not getting time at home and time with my family, it, it's so easy to be discontent and to be up and down. So Paul is going to tell us a couple things here and also in the rest of the book of Philippians, just some helpful tips on how to find contentment that is not based on your fridge and it's not based on your family and it's not based on your work. And the first thing that I find Paul telling us in Philippians is number one, Turn your focus outward towards the Lord. Turn your focus outward towards the Lord. What does Paul say here in this passage? The first verse, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. What's he say at the end? I find strength from who? From the Lord. So he didn't look within himself to try to find this stuff. He looked outwardly. He looked to God. God can provide joy for me. God can provide the strength that I need. I'm not going to just look within myself to find those things, God can provide those things. And you might say, well, you know, well, Paul figured it out, sure. I mean, he wrote a lot of the Bible, but, you know, my life's been really hard. It's been a really tough year. I don't know if Paul could really understand all the things that I've gone through. Well, if you know much about Philippians, you know where he was at when he was writing this, right? He was in prison. Paul had had a rough time as well. In fact, he was unjustly imprisoned just for following Jesus Christ. It would be easy to think you got a pretty raw deal there, right? And to be a grumbler and a complainer, but Paul was not. In fact, we see in Acts 16, when he's in Philippi, if you'll remember, his ministry gets started there by getting beaten with his friend Silas and getting thrown into prison. So it would be easy for Paul to think, well, this isn't fair. I mean, God, all I've been doing is I've just been trying to serve you, and then I get thrown in prison. Well, I can't believe that this is happening to me. And it'd be easy for him to be discontent. On top of all that, he says also in Philippians 4 that as he, and this is a little bit later in the chapter, as he began his ministry there, only the Philippians were the ones who partnered with him in the gospel ministry that he was doing. And so many times when we look at Paul's ministry, he was alone, right? Or he had maybe one or two people that were with him. After all the work he was doing, he's like, I'm kind of doing this by myself. It would be easy for him to be discontent and to think everything was in vain, but instead he rejoiced in the Lord. He found strength from the Lord. A big part of this was really two things. One, he saw that God was sovereign over his situation, and two, he knew that God was with him. So God was sovereign and God was with him. In Philippians 4, 4 through 5, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So what helped Paul rejoice? That no matter what he was going through, if he was in prison for his faith, or he was getting beaten for his faith, or he had plenty or he was in want, he remembered the Lord is at hand. God is close to me. God is with me through whatever it is that I'm facing. And that helped Paul to rejoice. God was always near. Earlier in the book of Philippians, in Philippians 1, 12 through 14, as he talked about his circumstance to the church at Philippi, he said, 
I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul feared that maybe some people in Philippi were thinking, well, Paul just got a, he got a raw deal. And now he's in prison, and I thought God commissioned him to go share the gospel and plant churches. Well, how is he going to do that if he's stuck in prison? And Paul's like, well, here's the thing. God is in control even of this. It might look like he's not, but he is. And here's what he's actually doing. I'm sharing the gospel in prison. Guess what? The gospel might not have gotten in here had God not imprisoned me. So praise God that I'm here. I'm actually sharing the gospel with people in prison. And not only that, not only that, but other people are becoming more confident in the Lord because of my imprisonment. And they're like, you know what? If Paul can do it and he can take the gospel message all the way to jail, I can do it too. And they're sharing the gospel more confidently as well. So Paul wanted them to know, hey, God has sovereignly orchestrated my circumstances for his glory and my good no matter what it looks like to everybody else. So Paul had an outward perspective towards the Lord that gave him strength and it gave him joy. And he knew that God was in control. And my question for you and I is just how good are we at remembering that? That is such a key thought, especially when we're going through something that's hard Is God in control of this? Is he sovereignly planning this? And if we can buy into that, oh, it helps so much to give us strength and to give us joy in our circumstance. So remember, number one, turn your focus outward toward the Lord. That's going to help you with contentment. The second thing is turn your focus outward toward others. Turn your focus outward toward others. Paul was really, really good at getting his eyes off of himself. He was good at thinking of others. He filled up so much of his life with thinking about God and others that it seems so oftentimes he really didn't have time to really think about himself. He was in a state of joyful forgetfulness. And that is going to help. It helped him and would help us to be content. And Paul even states that there's certainly times where he had a need and, and he needed for God to provide. But it's so interesting to see that even in those times that he tells us, Uh, here in Philippians chapter 4, that he was rejoicing in the fact that people had the blessing of providing for him more than he was rejoicing in the gift that he got that he needed. So how might this look uh, come Christmas time if your kids acted like this? Okay, so it might look kind of like this. Mom, Dad, I opened this present from you, and you know what? It's a fantastic present, and it's something I wanted. But the thing I rejoice in the most, Mom and Dad... It's not that I got this gift, but it's that God is going to bless you for providing this gift for me because I know what the Bible says, and it says it's more blessed to give than receive. So thank you so much, but more than anything, I look forward to the blessing that you're going to get for giving me this gift. Now, after you had fallen off of your recliner and kind of picked yourself back up, you'd be like, they got it, you know? They, they understand what contentment is all about and focusing on other people they've definitely got it down and that's where Paul was at because Paul gets a gift that's a wonderful gift it's something that he needs but yet still he's like it's really not about me getting my needs met it's really about you and the eternal rewards that you're stocking up for providing for me 
It talks about this a little later in our passage in Philippians 4, 17 through 20. He says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more, and I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So he was excited about the rewards they were going to get for helping him more than what he was actually receiving. Where are some other places in Philippians where Paul has got his outward focus on others and their needs and how he can encourage and bless them? Well, it's everywhere really, but if you want just a few examples, all you have to do is go to the first chapter, and you don't have to look very far in Philippians. If you simply look at the first 10 or 11 verses, I easily picked out about 10 things where Paul is so focused on others than he is himself. He's so focused on encouraging them, reminding them of what God has done for them, that he simply doesn't have time or mental capacity to focus on himself. In Philippians 1.1, he calls them saints, reminding them, hey, you're saints through Christ. He reminds them of God's grace and peace to them in verse 2. He tells them that he is praying for them in verses 3 through 4. In verse 6, he encourages them that God would complete his good work in them until the day that Christ comes back. In verse 8, he tells them that he had great affection for them in his heart. In verse 9, he prays that they would love even more than they already are. Also in verse 9, he prays for their knowledge and their discernment. In verse 10, he prays that they would be pure and blameless. And in verse 11, he prays that their lives would be filled with righteous fruit. That's just the first 11 verses of a four-chapter letter. We see Paul starting it off with, hey, I'm going to see what, how can I serve you? How can I encourage you? How can I build you up? And how can I lift you up? That, le- that leads to great contentment. That led Paul to great contentment, and it can for us as well. So as you think about your own life, how, it's so easy to do, but how much of your day-to-day just revolves around meeting your needs and meeting your wants and meeting your desires? Uh, it's, it's there. It's right in front of us. It's so hard for our lives not to revolve around that. But take a tip from Paul and forget about yourself and focus on others and focus on the Lord. So lastly, we have Paul telling us to turn our focus towards growing in contentment. That's our third thing. Turn your focus toward growing in contentment. So he's told us, hey, turn your focus outward toward the Lord. Turn your focus outward toward other people. Now, turn your focus maybe inward somewhat toward, hey, you need to grow in this. What does Paul say in Philippians 4, 11, and also in verse 12? He says, I have learned And then he says again, I have learned. What does that mean? This is something he had to work at, right? This is something he had to grow in. It doesn't come natural for us. Augustine of Hippo was talking about this inward bent. And he called it incurvatus inse. And it's a natural, it comes natural for us, but it is a sinful bent that we have to focus on self where we are willing to use others, we are willing to use circumstances, we are even willing to try to use God to glorify ourselves and to meet our own desires. And 
if you want to focus towards on God and you want to focus on others, you want to find contentment, you want to find joy, you want to find the kind of peace that Paul had, it is going to take effort. So how do we do this? Paul gives us some clues in Philippians 3 and 4. Four things that I found there. The first one is, forget about the fact that you have stunk at this. You're like, man, I am, I'm there with you, Andy. I'm trying to find contentment. I can't find it. It's hard. Forget about the fact that you have not been doing well at this. Here's what Paul says in Philippians 3, 13 through 14. He says, not that I've already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Paul wasn't everything that he wanted to be in Christ, and you're not either, and I'm not either. But yet, Paul says, hey, you know what? Forget about your past failures. Press on toward this goal of being content, of being joyful in the Lord, of being thankful. So forget what's behind. Secondly, surround yourself by people that do this better than you do because they will rub off on you. It's the caught, not taught principle. People that are content, people that are grateful. You spend time with them, you'll find yourself becoming more like them. He says a few verses down in Philippians 3.17, he says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. So find a brother or sister in Christ that can help you in this, that can rub off on you in a good way. So forget about the past. Surround yourself with people that are content so you can become more like them. And thirdly, he says to pray. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So he says, pray. And when you pray, use something like the ACTS acronym. Pray with thanksgiving. Uh, Adore God. Confess your sins to God. Give thanks. And then if you have time, get down to the S and pray for others. And if there's a little time left over, then pray for yourself. But make that last. Pray. Praise God. Pray for other people. Give thanksgiving as you do. And this is something that's going to help you with your contentment and provide um, peace in your heart and your mind, as Paul says here. And then the fourth and last thing is to change your focus Paul says, quit focusing on what you don't have. Quit focusing on the things that are not true. Instead, focus on the things that are positive, the things that you do have. And he says in Philippians 4, 8 through 9, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So what are you dwelling on? Are you dwelling on the truth? Are you dwelling on things that are excellent, that are lovely, the things that you have? Are you thinking about the things that I don't have and the things that are false, the things that are inferior? What are you dwelling on? Well, Paul tells us, hey, if you want to be content and you want to grow, forget what's behind, follow some good examples, start praying and change your focus. So again, it's so important that we are contented people because the world is watching us and someone who's a contented person is someone who's joyful. It's someone who's thankful. It's someone who's at peace. And the world is looking for all those things. And if they don't see that in us, they're going to be looking elsewhere. And so we want to be the kind of people that are content, that are grateful, that are thankful in who Christ is and what he's done. It's not an external thing. It's an internal thing. And it's important. 
So Paul gives us some tips here on what that secret is of being content. And if we pursue that, the world will be amazed and God and his gospel will certainly be more attractive. Let me, um, let me pray for us and then we'll have a time to pass the microphone around and be able to share some things that God has been doing in your life this year. Let me pray. Lord, we, just, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Paul. We thank you for his example. And um, we fall short so many times, God, of being content, of being grateful people. It's easy for us to feel entitled. It's easy for us to focus on ourselves and to take our focus off of you and to take our focus off of other people. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to find joy in the Lord. Help us to know that you're sovereignly in control of our circumstances and that you're with us through it all. Uh, You're teaching us things. You're using us. You're bringing glory to yourself. And Lord, just pray that you would help us in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in to rejoice. Whether it's plenty or whether it's uh, in need, Lord, help us to turn our gaze toward you and how we can serve other people and help us to grow in these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.